faith a necessity for every believer. Hebrews 11.1 1 describes faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Having faith in God means having confidence in Him. It is an unwavering assurance. It is trust. But for there to be trust, there must be truth. In this season of Say Little Prayer Nigeria, we deal with a fundamental foundation of faith, which is truth. When we know the truth about God, about ourselves, about a circumstance, we will be able to apply faith the right way. And we will find that with the right word, not the illusions or adjustments man has consoled himself with over time, but the true word of God, backing our faith. Faith will stand. It will not bend. It will not break. It will not yield. Why? Because we are not deceived. Listen and be blessed. Good evening and welcome to Say Little Prayer Nigeria. My name is Sharon Tanko and I am your host. Alright, so um, last day we were in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and we looked at um, three more truths. The first of the truths was that God does not forget love. Any act of love that is done, especially when it is love for him that drives your action, it is something that God will never forget. He will not forget it. He will not ignore it. He is not unjust as to forget an act of love. And let's be clear. I also explained in last uh, last week that um, the book of First Corinthians chapter thirteen, from verse one to eight, encompasses what he means by love. If you don't understand it, agape means I love you because I have decided to love you. It is not because of anything that you have done. It's not because of anything that you can do. It's just because I have decided to. And that is the kind of love that God wants a believer to display. Not just to other believers, but to everyone who has to draw people to God. Why? Because this is how you reflect Him perfectly. You cannot love like that outside of God. Because outside of God, that love doesn't exist. So there is no how you're going to encompass it. There is no how you're going to understand it. There is no how that you're going to be able to show it. So you love like that, you pull from him and it gets his attention. Every single time you draw from God, it gets his attention. And if you're going to draw from God, there's only one thing to draw from him and it's love. Because he is literally love. Everything falls under the purview of love. Whether it is joy, whether it is peace, whether it is uh, righteousness, everything is born from a place of love because he is love. The embodiment of love is God. So he cannot forget such a display because every display of such love is a reflection of him. That was the first truth that we looked at. The second truth that we examined was that this kind of love matures you spiritually. And that in turn matures you physically because to love because 
it takes a certain level of spiritual strength to do it. People have wronged you. People will wrong you. And this is just aside from the general help everybody, love everybody, and cherish everybody. But people will put this kind of love to test. He will test you. The devil will test you. And hope with all of his heart and soul, if he has one, that you'll fail, that you'll fall, that you fall short, that you come out lacking. That in this aspect, you don't reflect him. You want to know why? Because when you're not reflecting him, you're not reflecting light. If you're not reflecting light, you're not reflecting nothing. If you're not reflecting anything, then he has the perfect atmosphere to interfere with your life. And he will use every opportunity that you give him. So, agape, a display of this kind of love, it grows you spiritually. It encourages a maturity in you to blossom. And people will pay attention to it. They may not understand why they pay attention to it, but they will. Why? Because light is captivating. Let's see, you're in a dark room and you put on one light bulb. That light bulb has your whole attention. In this whole dark place, there is that light bulb. It will capture your attention. You're going to take notice of it why because it's the light in the darkness and this is what god has called us to be to be a lampstand to the people of this world and the world is shrouded in darkness great thick darkness this love can only grow you of course there are times when you will question oh maybe you're making a mistake maybe this is too hard or people are going to see you as weak spineless, senseless, stupid even. But for God, you're willing to endure that. You're willing to endure the criticism, the, that's not what I will do, the judgment. In the midst of that suffering, there is enjoyment. There is a reward. There is the inheritance. Why? Because God loves and respects and values in labor of love. Now the third truth that we looked at last week was that God can never lie and his word can never fail. See, God values his word more than anything. He will not change one letter, not a syllable. He will not change anything from his word because his word needs to be sure it needs to be absolute it needs to be concise it needs to be precise it needs to be exact because he needs you to be able to trust him it's hard to trust somebody who can't keep his word i don't know a human being that is going to trust a person they know they have evidence to show that this person doesn't keep his word. So God has said it. If he said it yesterday, it's the same thing he'll say today. Concerning that issue, it's the same thing he'll say tomorrow. If you want to obey him, it's fine. You have the option to obey him, you have the option to disobey. It's your choice. But just because you made the choice doesn't mean he changed his word. 
he doesn't want you to go you insist and you want to go go his original desire the word that he will go for the word that he stands with is don't go but if you want to go go he doesn't change his word he doesn't take it back he doesn't change his mind god is permanent his word is permanent his life is eternal it doesn't change it doesn't evolve the word from yesterday is the word for today it's the word for tomorrow it won't change it it's the same god he's the exact same god that was in the old testament you say oh my god that god was different that god was vengeful it was angry signs and wonders left and right it's the same god the only difference is now we can recognize him as more than just god as more than just master as more than just leader we can recognize him as our father we can recognize him as our brother and we can definitely recognize him as a friend he's not just master he's all of those things and he doesn't change so this week we're in the book of hebrews still but we're in chapter 7 now but before we begin shall we say a little prayer heavenly father Thank you for another opportunity to listen and hear a word from you. I am very grateful for an opportunity to learn more about you. Open my heart to the truth. Open my spirit to you. Father, help me to be able to present your word to your children as you say it. Not any different from how you will it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 17. I'll read. Still, Amplified Version. For it is attested by God of him, you, Christ, are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is cancelled because of its weakness and uselessness, because of its inability to justify the sinner before God. For the law never made anything perfect. While, on the other hand, a better hope is introduced, through which we now continually draw near to God. The truth that we're dealing with is that Christianity is a new order. There was no Christianity until the death and resurrection of Jesus. Christianity is our new covenant with Christ. It's our new covenant with God. See, the meaning of the word Christian, the literal meaning of the word Christian is Christ-like man. And sometimes I like to use this to make a distinction because a lot of people call themselves Christians, but they're not really Christian. They just say it as a title. It's not a title, it's a privilege. You are attesting you are qualifying yourself as a christ-like man it means that you have to display the same characteristics like christ because then how else are you going to be like him christianity it is different from every religion especially because it's not a religion it's a new kingdom 
a new order, a new kingdom. The reason I say this is simple. There are two. There is a physical realm, there's a spiritual realm. We all know that. But then there is the world, and then there is the kingdom. The world is cursed. It is, it is ruled, it is governed by the devil. He is the one in control of the world. That is why in church we make the distinction between the world and the church because they are two different things. They are not the same. If you are for Christ, then you are not in the world. If you choose to act like the world and you get the results of the world, that's fine. It's your choice. But you are not part of the world. And it's why the world can never work for you as a Christian. Doesn't even work for the people that are there. Why would it work for you? There was the order of the priesthood. I want to say this in a way that you can understand me. There was a kingdom and it was average at best. I'm trying not to say horrible, depraved, dysfunctional and prone to every terrible tragedy ever. So I'm just going to say it was average. There was a kingdom and it was average. And then there's another party that comes and destroys this kingdom, overruns this kingdom, absolutely dismantles it. When that happens, the kingdom that existed before exists no more. When it happens, the rules that applied in the kingdom that existed before cease to apply now. I will give you an example. The Romans, they conquered everywhere. They conquered Greece, they conquered Egypt, they conquered um, Israel. Whenever the Romans took over a new territory, a new domain, the laws that were that applied to the people of that domain were evolved to reflect the laws in the Roman Empire. It happened with Ephesus, it happened with Greece, it happened with Egypt, it happened with Israel. Everywhere the Romans conquered, they put down their laws, they put down their, their authority. They changed the laws to reflect themselves. The order of the priesthood was under the the tribe of Levi. The Levites were in charge of the priesthood. Jesus is of the tribe of Jude. I'm going slowly, so please just try to understand me. This is a little bit uh, more technical than usual, so please just bear with me and try to follow me. The Levites were in charge of the priesthood. Jesus is of the tribe of Judah. The priesthood switched hands from the Levites to the Judites or to a Judite, that is Jesus, and Jesus exists eternally. This means that the order of priesthood has shifted from the Levites, the Judites, so the laws can't be the same. In them days when the Levites were priests, the sacrifice was daily. Why? Because there was no permanence to the sacrifice. Everything they sacrificed had a beginning and an end. There was a timeline. That is why the sacrifice must have must be done daily and precisely and continuously and exactly. 
if you go read the book of Leviticus, it is very long, but I had to read it. There's a list of conditions, depending on whatever it is you wish to atone for. Three white goats without blemishes, three round goats under the age of three, a calf not more than one year old, three turtle doves without blemish. There's a lot of conditions attached to it because God was trying to preserve, to redeem, to keep within his hedge of protection a people that were blemished, a people that were spotted, a people that were not perfect because they couldn't be perfect. It was impossible. Perfection was impossible. So the sacrifices had to be perfect in order to accommodate the level of perfection that God required. But it's not something that could have been achieved by the sacrificing of goats and cows and calves and birds. Because what is trying to be saved is eternal. So what can save it can only be eternal. Now onto this um, new order. When you give your life to Christ, you move from the world to the kingdom. There's a different role here. There's a different governing body. There's a different authority. There are different role. Same principles. Give and it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, running away. Because Satan can invent anything on his own. So there is no principle that he has invented. He has just corrupted it. So same principle, different role. You can't hit in the kingdom. You can't have all forgiveness in your heart in the kingdom. When you love, you love Agape. You don't love with condition. His will surpasses your will. His desire trumps your desire. Not that your desire will be denied, but he is superior. And it's very simple for you to understand this because he wants you to sow your seed in an incorruptible soil, not one that can be contaminated. And let's face it, this body will pass away your spirit will live forever. It is wise to invest in the spirit instead of the physical because the one that will survive the test of time is the spirit. So we are operating in a different kingdom. The rules that apply in the, the world, they don't apply here. They can't apply here. If you try it, you will not like the result. It won't bode well for you. See, the kingdom is permanent. The world is not. Satan can't help you get a permanent place because it is not permanent. This will fade. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 20. And indeed, it was not without the taking of an oath that Christ was made priest. For those Levites who formerly became priests received their office without its being confirmed by the taking of an oath. But this one was designated with an oath through the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind or regret it. You, Christ, are a priest forever. And so, because of the oath's greater strength and force, Jesus has become the certain guarantee of a better covenant a more excellent and more advantageous agreement, one that will never be replaced. 
or annulled. The truth that we're dealing with here is that there is a stronger, more binding, more absolute covenant between the believers and God. The covenant is different in this new order, this Christian life that we live, this Christ-like life that we have subscribed to by accepting salvation through grace. The covenant is different because Jesus exists in perpetuality, because of his perfect permanence, his never-ending nature, the strength of this covenant trumps the strength of the covenants formed before. I don't know if you really understand this. Uh, if you're a Nigerian, then you understand the, the gravitas of a blood covenant. You know how anybody that cares about you would advise you never ever in your life ever partake in or enter into a blood covenant with anybody doesn't matter who this person is to you or or how highly you think of them or what it is that you need from them blood covenants are very dangerous because they are very very binding why it's bound by life but you see something here jesus is permanent life your spirit is permanent because of the permanence of your spirit it's going to take something permanent to save it this contract is stronger i don't know if um if you've watched hercules the disney cartoon there was a moment in time where he goes into hades the pool of death or something and he attempts to save the love of his life and then they want to cut his thread and the fates try and they can't because it is an unbreakable string i'm using this so that you can understand me as clearly as possible this covenant with god it ties us to god with an unbreakable string it's binding it is permanent and it is absolute there is no covenant that you would ever have that you can ever have that will be stronger than the covenant between god and the believer there does not exist a kind of contract like that they never has and they never will be because this is literally binding our life to him this is a stronger covenant than was in the time of abraham that was in the time of moses that was in the time of david it's different because this one was not sealed on the blood of a goat or ram was sealed on the blood of Jesus. Eternal blood flowed for this contract. A blood that is still flowing. It didn't just flow once. I hope you know that for everybody that comes into this contract, there is a covenant with them and with God. Blood. There is a blood covenant with them and with God. So that blood is still there. It's still attesting, it's still testifying, it's still saving. It is permanent. It's an everlasting spill. And as he is our savior, he is also our priest. He has reconciled us to God. He has 
taking his place as a high priest, as my high priest. One of the things that he does as a high priest, one of the things that priests do, you know, they offer sacrifices as atonement for protection. An example, this is just one aspect of what he does. He intercedes on your behalf for your protection. For those moments where you decide as a Christian to function under the rules of the world, Jesus is interceding for you. He is acting as your high priest. He's shielding you with his sacrifice. He's reminding God, even though God is eternal and doesn't forget, but he's serving his purpose as an advocate and he's reminding God of his covenant. God can't back out of it because he has said that Jesus is our salvation and if Jesus is an eternal salvation, then he is an eternal salvation. He doesn't need sleep. He doesn't need rest. He doesn't need a break. He doesn't need to want eat. He is always interceding and intervening for you. There is no break in your salvation. Back in them days, you had to offer a sacrifice for atonement of sins every day. Why? Because there is a time limit on the offering that you are giving. So every day you had to atone for your sins. There was a sacrifice going on every hour of the day, every day in the temple. If you defaulted, then you are dwelling and living in sin. There is no break with Jesus because his sacrifice is permanent. It was working then, it is working now, and it will work forever. He is a permanent sacrifice and he is your permanent high priest. So aside from the fact that he has died for you, that he sacrificed himself for you, that this God that could not die found a way to die just so that he could save you with his eternal everlasting blood. He's still standing before God, interceding on your behalf, protecting you, shielding you with his blood, securing your inheritance in him with God. It's not that God wants to destroy you, by the way. I just need you to understand this. He doesn't want to destroy you, but the presence of sin will make it impossible for him not to. I'm talking to the unbeliever now. Sin can't coexist with God. This is why you need to check your Christian living. Believer, unbeliever, check your living and be very, very, very conscious of God. Because when the time comes and someone, his child, calls for him, if he makes his presence, when he makes his presence known, not if, when he makes his presence known, anybody there that is operating under the authority of sin, under the authority of the devil, you will fall and it will hurt. Not because God wanted to hurt you, but because sin and him cannot coexist. And if you, if you embrace sin, if you're embodying sin and he is there, it will hurt you. There's no any other way about it. It's not that he wants to hurt you, but it's something that can't be helped. It's like when you put on a light and the darkness recedes. It's not that he wants to recede. It just can't be helped. 
it's the natural reaction or in this case the supernatural reaction so bear it in mind and be very conscious of it very conscious of him I'll tell you now the way I told you before I don't encourage you to be sin conscious because if you're sin conscious you're always thinking of sin I would encourage you to be God conscious because if you're God conscious then you're always thinking of God and that's the right way to live so just remember these two truths today as a Christian as a born-again spiritual believer you exist in a new order you don't operate under the world you operate under the kingdom it's a different existence one that has nothing to do with the other and two we are under a permanent binding more absolute contract blood covenant with God as Christians because there is a permanent blood that has been spilled for our salvation shall we say a little prayer Heavenly Father thank you for your sacrifice I thank you for being my high priest I thank you for being my advocate for defending me before the Father for protecting me from the consequences of sin I understand Lord that I am in a new government I am governed by new rule in fact I'm governed by one true rule and that rule is to love the way you love to let my light so shine before men that they can't help but see you in every action that I take in every step that I make thank you Lord for telling me today that you have my back and that I don't need to be worried because the contract that I have with you is binding and eternal thank you most high God for your sacrifice and your devotion to me help me to be as devoted to you in the days to come in Jesus name Amen. Thank you for staying tuned this evening. Thank you for joining me as a fellowship with God. I hope that as you go through your week, that this word stays with you. Remember that this kingdom is different. You're a child of God. You operate under different rules. You cannot function in the kingdom with the rules of the world. You need to sit down and read your Bible and know what his expectation is of you and know what his rules are. What is it that he expects you to do in this kingdom? How does he expect you to operate in this kingdom? Because the operation is different. Because the results are different. You cannot use the world to define the kingdom. It won't work that way. So go ahead, take the time out to read your Bible, study, pray, fellowship with God, and I hope that he shines a light in your heart and you have an epiphany and you realize the extent of his desire for you. Until next week, good night. The God we serve is the living God. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the First, 
and the last. But he is more than just God. To me, he is my brother, my teacher, my friend. He is my home. If you are under the sound of my voice and you want him to be all these things to you as well, please repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. I know now that you went to that cross for me, that you died for me. You went through hell so that I wouldn't have to. And I am grateful, Lord. From this day forward, I belong to you. I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. Rest in my heart from now on. I surrender all that I am to you. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just said that prayer with me, congratulations. You are now a member of the body of Christ. Welcome home. And for those of us who have been blessed by this message and are led to give to the gospel, feel free to sow your seed at the following Access Bank account. That is 151-132-1721. I repeat, 151-132-1721. I assure you that your seed will be used solely for the propagation of the gospel. My name is Sharon Tanko, and God bless you as you give.